Welcome, everybody, to Life Over Par Podcast. We are produced by Prior Media. On this podcast, we talk about life and golf and pretty much anything else we feel like talking about. I'd like to thank everybody listening in right now. And let's get this thing rolling. Welcome, everybody. Episode 21 of Life Over Par. It's, uh, I think this is going to be a good one. Yeah. I think so. Uh, we are here in studio with Kevin, as always. Hello. Uh, videoing in, Kyle. Yep. Uh, but we have a guest today who is also videoing in. So, Kevin, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of elbow room over here. I like that. Yeah, he came in and he said... <laughs> You know what I'm really excited about? Having nobody sit next to me today. <laughs> That's what he was excited about. I need space. Uh, our guest today, former Big Ten athlete, where she competed for Penn State University's golf team. She recorded three top ten finishes, including a first place finish at the Nittany Lion Invitational. That first place earned her Big Ten Women's Golfer of the Week honors. She has also competed on tour at the professional level and is currently a teaching pro at Sleepy Hollow Country Club. That golf club is consistently ranked in the top 100 courses in America. Our second female guest so far, welcome to the podcast, Ellen Ceresco. You nailed it. Thanks, Gary. <laughs> welcome. <laughs> He knows my scores better than I do. <laughs> Not really. We'll see about that. That's why he's the man. Welcome in, Kyle. Yeah. Um, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. We're uh, glad to have Ellen on. I was glad I was able to reach out and the way that she was just like instantly was like, yeah, let's let's do it. So it's um, good. Ellen is somebody that that you know from Florida, is it? Yeah. Yeah, down in Florida at the quarry. Uh, met her. Um, she practices down there all the time. And uh, Annie, I had uh, work with Annie and uh, just mutual friends and Christmas parties and uh, just, yeah. yeah, mutual friends. And yeah. Okay. Nice. Well, Ellen, welcome in. Uh, we're going to start like we always do. Tell us a little something about yourself. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. Um, Love to talk golf and um, love what you guys are doing. I think it's great. But uh, yeah, so started when I was about five years old, probably like everyone else. I think that's like, oh, like when you start five years old, you start anything in life, right? <laughs> Sports yep. being one of them. But, uh, you know, I have another brother, Adam, who's seven years older than me. And I always thought that whatever he was doing, I can do better. And golf was one of those sports. And just took it up and I knew that golf was one of the things that I would love to do because I remember um, I grew up playing country club at Scranton because uh, I grew up in the Poconos in the Scranton area and during summer junior golf camp I was playing with two other girls and they were just giggling so much and I just I was so aggravated at them and I just out of nowhere just turned around and said why don't you take this sport seriously and just kept walking onto my ball <laughs> so from that point on like I, I love golf I love the competition having an older brother obviously having that competitive spirit very very high and um you know growing up in Scranton Pennsylvania I actually had to be on the the boy the 
uh, guys golf team in high school at North Pocono. And that was kind of cool because I really psyched them out. I would wear the skirt and bow and, um, you know, there'd be a lot of guys saying, coach, don't, don't pull me with the girl. And I would, I would beat the crap out of them. Yeah. And, um, say, yes, worth it. <laughs> yeah, he's worth it. Nasty. Nasty. <laughs> but, uh, and I was all fun. And, um, you know, I had uh, great parents that supported me. It took me all to all the events and traveled a lot to Philadelphia to play in the Philly uh, PGA junior tour. And I had to travel a lot because just to have that competition, um, to help with my skills and fundamentals to eventually play at Penn State and um, had great five years at Penn State. I um, medical, medical redshirt in my second year due to injury with my elbow and um, you know four years of college was definitely not enough so I'm really glad I had that fifth year. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, you touched in on, on, on something there that I was going to talk about later, but we can get to it now. You, you said you grew up in Scranton, Pennsylvania. So I think mm-hmm. it's, it's probably fair to say that The Office is the best show ever made. <laughs> My boyfriend, David, would definitely say yes. I have not seen one single episode of The Office. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So that is yeah. the episode, everybody. <laughs> don't we screen these people first (laughs) let kyle do it one time and this is what we get so i'll jump back to where i was gonna go from here um who got you you into golf maybe you said it already you just want to be better than your older brother but was it was it your dad your grandpa was there somebody that kind of got you into it or is it just your brother doing it I would say mostly between my brother and my dad. Uh, I mean, even, even my dad just taking me out, um, you know, just dropping me off after school and, you know, during summertime, just, just hanging out at the country club, um, hitting balls and, you know, just living that lifestyle. Um, you know, I just, I really enjoyed like those nine holes after work, after school with him and just going out there and him teaching me as much as he could. And, you know, what was great was that he taught as much as he could for me. And then he, you know, helped me get coaches. And I've had great coaches growing up um, for the game. And, you know, getting those coaches passed along to other coaches that would help me. And, you know, just surrounding myself with good people throughout my career has really, really helped me. And that's what I instill with, with me as a coach now and teacher is that, I, know I hope to keep growing this game, especially for, for girls and, and women out there. And because um, it's a great sport. It sure is. One of my favorites, Kevin. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. uh, who, not, not my best sport, but <laughs> not your best, but it's a, it's a good one. Who was, uh, who's one of your favorite golfers growing up? Who'd you idolize? I would say that I, I idolized. You know, Anika Sorensen, I remember going up to the Corning Classic. Uh, I played a lot with the girls' golf. There was a, a chapter up in Pennsylvania that I went to, and every May we went to the Corning Classic in New York. And I remember during Anika's prime, she was doing great, uh, early 2000s. And I remember seeing Anika, and I was like, Anika, can you sign my shoe? And I literally just kind of like put my foot up. And she was like, yeah, give me a Sharpie. And signed my shoe. And I'm like, holy cow, I just have Anika's. Autograph on my shoe. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, I would say Annika. Walking around with a barefoot sure. the rest of the day. Yeah, not one. 
walking over to the one shoe the rest of the day, not letting that other one touch the ground. Yeah, you know it. Yeah. <laughs> so you played at Penn State. Uh, was that the school that you always wanted to go to growing up? That was your school? Yeah, you can say that I definitely bleed blue and white. Um, I remember my brother, Adam, he's seven years older than me. So his orientation, I remember going to his on-campus orientation. And I, I told my parents, I'm like, I'm going to the school, sign me up already. <laughs> yeah. So uh, right from the start, I knew I wanted to go to Penn State, good, great education. Uh, and then at that point, with my golf game, golfing became an icing on the cake from eight because with my fundamentals and my scores at that time were not D1 compatible. So, uh, you know, it's to have that recruiting process that I've had of, you know, working hard, trying to get those scores in. And um, I was, I was actually a preferred walk on before I, um, you know, I went to, I was on campus starting my freshman year and was able to work hard. Again, I had great coaches. Um, I was, I remember going to, uh, having dinner with Jimmy St. Pierre, my, my coach at Penn State and having dinner with her at State College my junior year of, of high school. And at that point, she was Ellen, you know, unfortunately we don't have the money, um, but I really want you to be on the team. And what I'll do is I, you can, you can be preferred walk on. You don't have to try out. You'll, you'll just be on the team. We can't give you any money, but you know, you're the spots on the team if you want to take it. And I told coach, I was like, I'll take it. Uh, you know, consider me on the team. I don't care. I just want to be a Penn Stater and, and play golf. Um, so at that time she referred me to Mary Kennedy Rookie, who Mary um, used to be the head women's and men's head coach for golf back in the eighties uh, and nineties. So she, Denise referred me to her to kind of work on my fundamentals and kind of just get my game up to collegiate D1 caliber. So I remember seeing Mary uh, my ju- spring of my junior year and ever since then um, she really helped me with, with my fundamental short game with, with one of them and uh, I remember having a lesson with Mary at State College at Hofstra, where she teaches, and Denise surprised me one day uh, with 25% scholarship, and I was just nice. through the roof. Nice. Yeah. Um, so I was like, man, like, I'm going to be a D1 athlete, have some money, commitment, and um, going to the, my favorite college of all time. So it was, uh, the, the recruiting process was really, really cool, and you know, it, it was stressful at times, don't get me wrong, but I was very blessed to have gone through that process the way that I did. How so, uh, were you able to ahead, were you ahead, able Kyle. to keep your uh were you able to keep your golf bag? Is that one thing? I, like is there something that like you there's one thing that you took from <laughs> college or you're like, this is not like Oh yeah. I mean there's so many so many pieces that I took. I, I still have the winter jacket that says Penn State golf and I still wear it all the time. <laughs> nice. What is, uh, what is golf like in big 10? I don't, oh, I, mean, I don't watch big 10 golf. So in, in yeah. the whole scheme of things, like how is Penn state in the mix of big 10? Is it one of the better schools or. I would say big 10 golf is its own animal compared to like the ACC and the SEC, just yeah. because, it's we play in just such extreme conditions. Yep. And it's 
I think did I use your neck? You still there? Yep. Oh, there we go. Um, just because we we play in the Northeast, we play in the Midwest sometimes, but it's not like the ACC or the SEC where we have that Southern weather, right? right. So yeah. for the Big Ten, I would say, yeah, we, we are up there. I mean, when I was there, uh, 2010 to 2015, Purdue won the national championship twice, I believe. So Very nice. the Big Ten is just as competitive as all the other Power 5 schools out there. Does that come with a big fat ring? <laughs> I I believe so. Yeah, okay. I asked actually my friend there. Yeah, she was on the team on Purdue at that time. I I gotta ask if she got a ring. Probably she did. Okay, that'd be that'd be nice to have. Flash that yeah, jersey awesome. around. Uh, yeah, speaking of like Matt, speaking of match, and just like all right, I'll just put my ring down here. Now, whoops! <laughs> forgot to take this off. <laughs> let, me, let me put this in my bag real quick. Can you wear your glove on top of that? <laughs> yes. Uh, speaking Big Ten, I seen uh, your post recently. You know, MSU played Penn State in football. Congratulations! It's uh, it's been a rough yeah. year for all of us. Yeah, Michigan, all Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State, Michigan. It's been a rough year for all three schools there, but you pulled mm-hmm. out your win. Um, you know, it's funny. It's like you see some of the power power schools and they're doing so bad or you see like the cinderella schools that are doing really well that's just a crazy year and but um you know i was i was during at school during all that stuff with penn state and um even even with our record now um we're so young still but just to see the caliber of of what how how that school has gone through um has has a lot to say and you know it's only it's only one year even if it's two and we definitely have overcome a lot more in the past it's been a good bounce back yeah Mm -hmm. they've done well not so much this year but it was definitely an unexpected start for them nobody saw that coming but right yeah I love it when it's like an eight o'clock game, Penn State playing someone late, and you just see the whole like the all crowds all wearing white, and you're just like, "What the world are we getting into right now?" And they just have oh everything, yeah. the pom poms going, and you just see just a wave. Like you have the uh, you have like the big um, the big house and the student section where you can see all the yellow, and it's yeah. obviously it's as big as it is, but that wave of all white, the whole crowd was just like that's intimidating. Yeah. It's- definitely uh one of the probably the the top five college experiences someone has to go through is just see a whiteout game at night playing either ohio state or michigan and there's just nothing nothing like it for sure everybody hates ohio state right yes (laughs) absolutely yeah yeah Yeah. we all got that in common (laughs) okay and rough year for all of us but uh we're all right there with you on that (laughs) Let's go Northwestern. Yes. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I think the last time I went to, no, not the last time I went to Indy, but the time I went down for the Big Ten Championship with you, Kyle, it was mm-hmm. Northwestern versus Ohio State. That was two years yep. ago, I think it was. Yeah, two years two years ago because we went downtown. We're like, what the hell's yep. going on? And we're like, he's wearing Ohio State. He's wearing Northwestern. Like, it was just purple, red, purple, red, purple, red. Yep. And we're like, what in the world's going on? <laughs> we, went like, to that oh, weird, today. we went to that weird pirate bar. Oh yeah, that was like 
they were just this place packed a hole in the full wall. of Ohio State and Northwestern. They're like, yeah, who are you rooting for? I'm like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> hate you both. Not who I wanted to be in it. So whatever. <laughs> Go Northwestern. <laughs> so you competed uh, in the Symmetra Tour and the Mini Tour for two years mm-hmm. uh, before you kind of turned your focus to the teaching side of golf. What were those two years like? Very humbling. Um, you come off of playing D1 awesome golf courses uh, in college, and you graduate. You move down to Florida full-time, and it's just you. You don't have four other girls traveling with you. You don't have two other coaches traveling with you, and it's just you know, just by yourself playing dog tracks in, in Orlando, you know, traveling from, from Naples is like four and a half and I-75 and I-4 can be gone awful sometimes. And, um, but, uh, you know, it was fun. Cause at that time when, when I graduated from Penn state, I, I couldn't imagine myself not competing after and just putting up the clubs and just having a job. So, you know, I was like, you know what? let me give it two and a half years, three years and, and see what happens because the, the what ifs are going to be a lot more, um, you know, daunting than, than going out there and actually doing it. And, right. you know, learn a lot about myself, learn that it's, it's a tough lifestyle and playing when I was playing at the KPMG and just seeing the top of the, the, the top of the top, um, that's like, the iceberg that everyone sees above the surface, but really it's below the surface that um, is uh, really, really hard. And, um, you know, I, 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 I do the best I could. I, unfortunately, my body just can't take it. I got injured so many times um, because of the stress, the anxiety of the unknown. And, you know, to be honest, for, for females trying to make it on tour, there was just the, the money's awful, right? Oh, yeah. You you go to the Florida tour. And if you won, that'd be two grand. And that would, that would pay for, you know, you would, you would hopefully break even. Right. Right. Um, where now with being an LPGA, LPGA teaching professional, I'm playing in all the the events and and all the things that I can do as a teaching professional. And I'm actually making more money with less events and I'm getting a, uh, a reliable check every every week yeah. so um but it, it has got like playing those two and a half years has got me to where i am now and i'm all the intuition that i'm using now as a coach i you know i used from my from my own experiences of traveling and, and being out there being in the trenches and when i'm telling my students that they're struggling or if they're having a, an all-time high like i've been there and that that helps me connect with them and, and gain that trust with my students. So what is that transition like? So you, you graduate and you decide, I want to try to go pro. Like, well, what's, what's involved in that? What do you have to do to try go pro? Yeah. So back when I was a sophomore in college, Adam and I remember we were in his office with a huge whiteboard and we basically were like, all right, here's scenario one. You spend your summers trying to make it on tour and you play all these events to to get better and, and to, to make it and to do your best. Scenario number two is you're 
trying to get a marketing intern job, finding a job during the summer and not, and not competing. And I was like, well, screw the internships because I just want to play golf. Right. <laughs> So that was that was what I made the decision to because at that time, obviously, in in the marketing aspect and the business aspect, you have to get internships and you have to apply for jobs and all that stuff. And I didn't and I didn't do that. I I applied for tournaments. I applied for <laughs> traveling right. and all that stuff. So I I know I made that decision early on, and as I kept developing, um, it was like okay. Here are the junior events. Here are the state opens I play in. Here are the USGA events. Uh, the qualifiers and and then it was like okay what do I need to do to get ready for for qualifying school uh, out in uh, the Palm Desert in California at the end of July into August so that's kind of like the main focus when when you're coming out of college and I almost I actually almost tried to qualify for stage one of Q school during my fifth year at Penn State just so I can kind of kick start the process and um, unfortunately, that didn't happen because um, my coach really needed me that week into a, in a big collegiate tournament. But um, these are this is the kind of the the, men, the mentality and the steps that a player who wants to play full time um, kind of that that qualifying tool and, and that series is the forefront of of their minds uh, leading up to in preparation for it because. That you know, qualifying stage one is basically where the girls are separated from the women. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's out in the desert. It's 110 degrees, dry heat, and it's really survival mode. And um, you know, unfortunately, I didn't make it past Q stage stage one. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's it's a hell of a lot ride. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was it ever uh, was that ever frustrating to you because you hit the ball a long ways? Um, is that frustrating when you play with someone that you didn't really think of anything and then at the end of the round they're like yeah I shot one under and you're like what like did someone make it look mm-hmm. so easy like make it easy to make it like you did what like you just made it like look so ho-hum and yet you were 10 15 20 yards back from me it seemed like the whole time yeah I mean for me that doesn't bother me I mean like a perfect example you I played a practice round with NB Park and I was hitting it 30, 40 yards faster. And she's just so solid and so consistent. And you're no just like, deal. well, that's, that's yeah, how you play her game, yeah. you know? <laughs> like, so the ball striking is like, please, what's this little flex in there, real quick? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no big deal. Yeah, hitting the gym, hitting the weights, and, um, but uh you know it's we need like, to be the bryson of the lpga tour okay we need to we need to find a program and we're just gonna go with it all right i'm down thank you i don't think you have to find the program i think bryson has it you just got to get it from him protein shakes. Yeah. six what, protein so shakes about this a day program? i think he's up what's, to what's your your <laughs> stock set your stock seven i said kevin what we haven't heard from kevin in a hot minute kevin how far does your stock seven iron go uh, one forty. All right, Ellen. How far does your one seven iron go? Seven iron. I would. I would say one sixty-five. Yep. Yeah. One sixty-five. One seventy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when we played together, I was like, "All right, we'll we'll play." And uh, <laughs> we play with uh, our coworker Annie. And she hits the ball decent, but I'm like, all right, she doesn't hit that ball that far. I played 
Um, we had Brooks uh, Henderson come down to the quarry and play. And here's a story. I don't know if I've told it on the podcast, but um, she went and played a few holes and came back and because she was playing at, um, at Tiburon uh, the week next week. So she just went and practice and um, she went out the next day and uh, she invited me out to go play. I was like, all right, sweet. So we go out and play the first six holes. She's really chatty. Uh, she's even. I'm too over. Uh, we're playing the same tees. I'm like, nice. I, I'm not going to let her beat me. I'm not going to let her beat me. And then her dad, go, like we walk off the fifth hole and uh, we we drive to the sixth hole to par five um, at the quarry. Um, I believe it's a sixth. Yeah. Um, and we go out there and um, she walks up to the tee box and she's like, hey, you know, I'm just going to try to like focus um, here the next few holes. So I'm probably not going to be as talkative. Uh, I'm just trying to, you know, try to work on a few things. So whatever. I'm just here like to watch. Like I'm, I'm too <laughs> over. Put like, on I'm, the gas. I'm, 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 yeah, I'm, like, yeah, I'm like, all right, so whatever. She birdies the next six holes. If we could walk off of 12, she goes, birdie, 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 birdie. And she's like, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to go and, and have some lunch and, and I'll be back, take golf balls later. And my like, jaw is just like drop. I'm like, okay. <laughs> like I was keeping up. Yeah. I'm like, what did I do? Like, what did you do? And then she's like, I, like her dad was right there. Like, like we're reading greens and not really like, kind of chatting whenever. And then like her dad turned on a switch with her. She did something and it was like, all of a sudden we got on like the putting green and anything inside of like 15 feet, it was in the hole. Yeah. And it, it, it was wild the way that it, she was able to turn that on. And then like nonchalant, she's like, okay, I play 12 holes. So I'm going to go have some lunch, go swim, and then probably a golf balls later. So I'll talk to you later, Kyle. I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> As I'm like seven over, I'm like, I'm not, yeah. <laughs> I think I played night golf with you and her and maybe her dad when I was down there. I think we played night golf at some course. I'm pretty sure it was her. Either way. No, it wasn't Brooke. No, not Brooke. I think uh, it was Annie. Yeah, Annie. That yeah, makes sense. we played. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Not Henderson. <laughs> no, not at all. No. Her dad, her dad wouldn't allow that, but. No? Yeah. So. No, I don't think so. Playing golf for a living, I mean, that just, that sounds like it would be a good life. Um. You know, every good thing does have a downside to it. So what was the toughest part about trying to go pro? Like, I mean, travel and all that, but like, is it being away from friends, family? What was the toughest part? For me personally, it was just like, just not knowing what was going to happen. What was the end result? Am I gonna do well this week? Am I gonna am, am I gonna feel better? Is my elbow gonna hold up? Is my hip gonna hold up? Is my wrist gonna hold up? And um, you know, and like I, I I didn't know what I was gonna do, right? I didn't I didn't know anything. I just at that time was like I just I just want to keep playing, and and that's what I did. And it was until like all that kind of anxiety and all the injuries caught up to me. I'm just like, yeah, I don't, I don't want this lifestyle. Um, yeah. so I think to answer your question, the hardest part was again, that, that uncertainty of, am I even going to, you know, qualify? Am I going to even make a check? Um, right. so 
it, it got to the point where I remember I was, I was driving down from, from Orlando and I was talking to Adam and you know, he's like, do you, do you still want to do this? And I'm like, yeah, like, it's just my golf swing. You know, it's, I just have to, to, to get better, you know, fundamentally. And yeah, it just, it was, it was all mental really. And, mm-hmm. um, I just wasn't wasn't having the fun I had anymore like I was in the past and playing my best. It was grueling yeah. out there. It was trying to make it, trying to make something, a name for yourself. Yeah. Um, so when I had my wrist injury, that was kind of like the blessing in disguise because that took me away from from it all a little bit, and I was able to kind of regroup. Um, and say, you know, do I, do I really want to do this? And that's when I got into teaching as a, as a plan B and then, you know, the, the rest is history. I absolutely love what I do now. And, um, you know, I, again, I still compete. I can compete at the highest level. Like I did this past year and still fulfill that competitiveness that I, that I have. Um, so for, for me, it was identity, um, being that student athlete, being out in the golfer. Um, and letting go of that, and like, yeah. okay, like I can, I can be something more. I can figure out who I, who I really am, and, and my purpose in life. <laughs> yeah, I gotta get that just because, like, um, a few tournaments that I had, like we've, I played down in in Florida, um, and like the assistants and trying to um, just letting because we get in uh, a couple tournaments at the core, you're able to get sponsored in and, and all the members, you know, they, they, when's, when's your tournament, you know, and you tell them and you're out there practicing and, and then you feel like you let yourself down. You feel like, you're so excited. You want to tell everyone, like I told all my family, I told my friends, like, Hey, I'm playing in this tournament. And then if it doesn't go well, the, you know, the tail between your legs, you're just like, gosh, like, I, I don't want to have this conversation of how I didn't play well, but here we go. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah. Like, and it wasn't like that you played that what like you didn't play bad it was just those guys were that good or those oh girls are that good it's like unreal yeah i mean i remember the week after the kbmd we um another assistant at, at Sweetie hollow we, we played the team championship just one day and we won it and it was just like that win kind of just overshot me playing in a major event where like oh that was awesome i heard oh, like, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and i'm like <laughs> thanks guys thanks yeah. love it <laughs> but yeah i mean again okay. it's like that iceberg philosophy you don't you don't see what's what's underneath the surface um mm-hmm. people just see what's what's visible but uh yeah so you mentioned Sleepy Hollow has some sweet some sweet gear you keep sending mm-hmm. on your social media. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. yeah. If, if you guys want anything with the Headless Horseman on it, let me know. Ooh. Yep. There we go. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so you mentioned the the KPMG. Uh, for anybody listening that, that really doesn't know, that is, uh, that's a major event for women's golf. It's the KPMG Women's PGA Championship. You played in it in October. Um, we had a question come in about that. Uh, Ryan wanted to know what was your mindset as you stepped up into the first tee box of a major event? Holy 
shit, I'm here right now. <laughs> um, that sounds so about I right. Was, I was the inaugural. Um, I was the tee shot that started the event. Ooh, oh my seven, seven ten in the morning, cold off the press. It was like I'm gonna say forty degrees um, in the morning at Aronimic, and like Big Ten. Let's like, go. Yeah, but like everyone's like, "How are you feeling?" And I was like, Ev- "Everything, yeah. like excitement, <laughs> all of it." Um, <laughs> I hope I don't like mess up. I don't, I hope I can just keep my shit together. Really. I hope I can just make this ball airborne. Really. was yeah. kind of like yeah. stepping yeah. off to this. And like the announcer was just like so good. And prof- you're just like, damn, like I'm at a major event with these, with these announcers. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, number one at Aronimic is a beast of a par four. It's straight uphill. And, um, you know, it just, the the hips freeze, the lower body freezes, and and you just you just you know duck hook it to the left. And I was I was just you know happy to to again make that air, that that swing airborne. And I remember like and I was just watching like the pictures Black after out. after oh yeah totally totally blacked out. And um I just I just like couldn't help but like laugh and smile. And it was just like yeah and like welcome to to the major championship. <laughs> like to tease attention i think i'd be like i go to the store i'm like do you have a tea i forgot mine or something like that i try to do something where i'm like i'm so nervous like trying to make it like as funny as possible but yeah Yeah. i make like as funny as possible but make it like you think at the time you're trying to make it as funny as you can but it's like awkward because they're like what like you don't you don't have a tea Uh, i just feel like i'll just lose it i mean like Going back to that blackout, I, I did my two shot routine. I did everything that I could. And right when I was about to just take my backswing, from my taking my backswing to seeing the ball airborne, I just, I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like, do I even, yeah, it's like, do I even have arms right now? It's like, yeah. mm. <laughs> oh man, I but it, was, it was fun. It was good stuff. I, yeah. I, I felt like doing a PAT. It was like, uh, okay, here we mm-hmm. go. Just, and that's not even anything. So, so that was yeah. your your first major that you've played, or first that you played in. Then, first LPGA event and major, yeah. Okay. Does it? Do you think that it was not as nerve wracking and having all those feelings because of the current situation where there maybe not as many fans were there? Do you think if it was full of fans, you really would have been feeling it? No, I mean, I was definitely, definitely feeling it for sure. Fans, no fans. I, you know, I kind of wish there was fans just to get the full first-time experience. Right. Um, and I, I, I love crowds too, like more the merrier, which is which would probably have helped me, believe it or not. Because I remember, like, when I'm playing well, especially the second round on Friday. Um, we had the cameras behind me and, and all that stuff. And I'm like, I was like, you know, like, hell yeah. Like, let's, let's go. Like a camera's behind me. Let's, let's, yeah. let's do this thing. Let's turn it up. And, wow. um, but, uh, I, uh, I, you know, I'm looking forward to what, what's this crazy COVID is over with. We, we can have fans and, and really, uh, take in to, 
to the crowds. And, and I understand now when, when the professionals are like, yeah, this sucks. Like we don't have the crowd to feed off of because you, you really do. You, you feed off of that energy and um, you know, Philly, Philly crowds are, are one of the, one of the, the good ones out there. Um, and um, hopefully I can experience that again. Don't you think it's fitting that DJ won the masters with no crowds, having it be like, so even like, so even keel he just seems like that kind of personality then all of a sudden he's like mm. where do you end up shooting like so many under that like broke the right yeah like 20 son under it's like yeah mm. now looking back like, mean, it makes sense it, it does make sense right because he's again so even keel i mean what he did in boston was just ridiculous and then to, to have that shown up in the masters it's just i think when he's on when when dj's on he's just on like oh, yeah. Yeah. even oh, keel yeah. right um yeah. but uh yeah i mean so I've, I've been um, like a Dustin Johnson fan, not like a real big fan of his, but I think seeing him after the Masters actually have emotion, which is something he never has, it's make me kind of like the guy a little more and maybe feel more like, yeah, I'm, I'm glad he won. You know, he's actually like choked up to the point he couldn't even talk. And it, he, you could tell just how much he wanted it which through the whole tournament, it was just like, he's not showing any emotion. Like, does he even care? And then it just yeah. all overcame him. I thought that was good. I would agree. I, I think as, as viewers just see that, we're like, oh, wow, like he's human. And just having him show that vulnerability is, is what we want. We want to see the emotion. We want to see that, that story of him growing up less than an hour away and, he's always wanted to win that master's championship in that green jacket. And um, we also love that, that, that side of DJ too, his interviews and just like, so like Bill Belichick. Of oh, like, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a great yeah. comparison. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Absolutely. It is. yeah. <laughs> so I had somebody ask me um, for somebody trying to go pro how many days a week or hours a day do you practice? Like how much work is there really to getting there? Yeah, I would say the standard would be, and the golden rule would be quality over, over quantity. And I would say to, to the people and the players who want to go pro, get on the golf course, play as much as you can, get competitive as much as you can, play with, with other competitors, play for a dollar, play for $5, because that those feelings and that adrenaline that, that you feel and, and you create during those small matches, that's going to help you transition into what it really makes, makes a difference. And it's not you know, you have to be out on the, on the, on the range for three hours and getting all the checklists done 
Um, it's, it's all about how can I gamify it as much as I can, making small bets within myself and, and make it fun as well um, to make sure that you're, you're putting in good quality reps and, and really separating, okay, if I'm going to be on the range for an hour, I'm going to work on, you know, X, Y, and Z. And, and some of that has to be a little bit of technique, mechanics. And then once you once you have that down, don't keep playing with it until you can anymore. Because what you have to do is once you get the mechanics and the technique, then you have to, again, gamify it. You have to test it out and keep testing it. So then that really becomes ingrained and you you have that new motor pattern um, in you because when when it's all on the line, um, those bad habits are going to creep up. Uh, so just make it, again, just make bets with yourself, make games with yourself. If you can have a group um, of, of playing competitors, you know, I was, I think one of the best things that I did was during COVID, I was in Naples. Um, and at that time, the KPMG was still at the end of June. And I'm like, well, I only have two months to keep preparing for myself. And I actually went back to that mindset of playing full time, which was awesome. <laughs> I actually loved it. Um, that sucks. You played full time, you played full time, and you played full time during this whole fucking COVID thing. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> that's on you. Smart, you know? <laughs> That's but anyway, like the best thing I was doing was I was playing with numbers and we would, we would put stuff on the line, whether if it's a bottle of wine or, or money, whatever it was, but it kept me those, those competitive juices flowing. And uh, that's probably one of the biggest things would be just, just play games, be competitive. And the, the men have that, right? Because they, they, you yeah. guys do that automatically. You guys create games, but us females, we're so individual and and so like we have to perfect things that that's hard for us to to make happen. And um, that's what the best players out there is. They want to be competitive. They want to compete in it, in out. And um, you know, that that would be my advice. So, how long have you been? been teaching now professional teaching i've been teaching for yeah because you're at tiburon too four and a half years now okay so through your four and a half years um what are the top three things that a person can work on to have the biggest impact on improving their game like if they're just starting out maybe not like real green for the sport but they're they're into golf, but they're just not really golfing much. Like, what are their their three things that if I work on these three things, it'll have the biggest impact on my game? And each person that's listening to this has to pay three dollars to Ellen. All right, let's just get that out there right now. Each download is going to be. All right. Uh, number one, I would say, I understanding what what your lower body has to do in the golf swing. So. My philosophy of teaching is that if, if it, it, it works from the ground up, right? So if if Kyle and I were playing basketball and you wanted to shoot a three-pointer, he's just not going to shoot a three-pointer flat-footed, right? He's going to jump up in the air to get that power to to make sure that he can get the ball to the hole, right? Have you seen or Kyle basketball. play basketball? Yeah, have you, I mean, have you seen how much power my, how much power my legs? How about in bird legs, Kyle? How much power you got in bird legs? Chicken? 
I don't think he's got much power anywhere. No. <laughs> you ever see a flamingo jump? <laughs> I, I would say, like, really understanding what the lower body does. It's not just moving the hips. It's really just utilizing the the, the feet and, and the power source um, from, the, from the ground up. And start with the mini chip. Start with, if you're righty golfer, start with, with a small pitch shot with having all of your weight on your, on your lead side, which is your left foot, um, because then that'll help kind of have proper mechanics, proper contact positions and all that stuff. And, um, you know, I would start with the chipping and, and just understanding, okay, we have to hit down on the golf ball. We have to hit the ball, the ball first, then the divot happens. And then once we start getting with the fully swings, it's really understanding, okay, if, if I have my weight in the center, it's then swinging inside my, my right foot, right. And putting that pressure on the inside of my right foot as a ready golfer. And I feel like a lot of amateurs out there, they, they have too much movement laterally and they get their pressure on the outside of their right foot. Well, if you're on the outside of your right foot at that point, as a ready golfer, you're already screwed because you can't transfer that power into the golf ball properly. Um, so I would say really understanding inside the right foot and the back swing. And then once you get to the top of the swing, you start the down swing push off from that right foot onto your left heel. Um, that's kind of how the, the pressure kind of works in your, in your feet a little bit. And this is, and again, this is just very broad, right? Um, again, people may not get to the right foot and they have to stay on their left foot, right? And, and as, a, as a teacher, we have to understand what works best for, for each student that's, um, that's in front of me. Um, you're going to see Kevin at the local Meyer Walgreens, you know, they have like by the uh, pharmacy where they have like the yeah. pressure points for your feet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Dr. Yeah. Scholes. No, for yes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And this, this is, you know, that, that drill is, you don't have to have a golf club in your, in your hand, really. It's okay. just holding your arms and, and feeling the pressure points. But, um, you know, I would definitely start there. Number two, um, I would say really just understanding the club face and I, you know, I, with every beginner golfer, I break it down into a couple of sections of the golf swing. So they understand what the club face is doing, right? You don't, you don't want the face pointing up in the sky in the back swing, right? You don't want to, you want to understand where that sucker is throughout the, throughout the swing. And I feel that early on, if they understand where that club face should be, they'll have that club face connection um, throughout their throughout their golf career. So, um, and number three, you got to have a drink in your hand because this sport is Two. so damn long, right? It's a life sport. And probably one of the perks that I love of not being a professional golfer anymore is that I can actually drink on the golf course. Nice. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, just have fun with it because, there's so many damn components of this, this crazy game that it's easily be frustrated and um, just have, just making sure that, that everyone enjoys themselves. And every time I have a lesson, I make sure that they learn at least one thing and they have fun while doing it. And that'll keep them going with this game and, and keep enjoying it. So um, because this game is social, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's, we've had so many great, memories on the golf course so many bad memories on the golf course but um you know it's it's, it's 
great time to share with with friends and, and loved ones. That's so, one. did you catch any of that, Kevin? Besides number three, um, yeah, you know, pressure points and, but but mostly three. No, see three. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you learned one thing, and we leave the lesson with Kevin learning one thing: drink in your hand. That's all we needed. One one thing. Speaking of, I'll be right back. <laughs> so, currently, you are with Sleepy Hollow Country Club. Uh, as I stated earlier, it's consistently in the top 100 courses uh, in uh, in America. Currently, it's it's I think number 89. Uh, that is a private club, correct? Yes. So, what is it like working there? Yeah. So, tell me well, how is it how is it compared to like the quarry? What, what's like? Yeah. Is it like night and day? I mean, for, for people that don't know, this is in New York. But yeah. I don't know that. Yeah. yeah. So, Sleepy Alley Country Club, I would say, is a great membership. And I'm not BSing. We, we have great members mm-hmm. who, who just love the game. They love walking. They love taking a caddy. It's just old school golf. Do they have and New York they, accents? Real New Yorkers? <laughs> some of them do. Some of them do. Yeah, absolutely. It's great. But um, they, they really cherish the history of the game. And um, they go out there, they, they, they compete, doesn't matter if it's snowing, doesn't matter if it's 100 degrees outside, they still love the sport. And, and playing for, for those members who are so passionate about the game and, and working for them is, is really an honor because you see, you see that passion and you're like, yeah, like I want to make them better. I want to I wanna grow the ladies' golf. I want to keep making Sleepy Hollow the, the best course it could be. And um, it's, um, it's it's a great time. It's, I feel like I'm in, I'm in a bubble when, it, when I'm up there because um, the views are great, the golf course is great, and um, it's, it's it's a great time for sure. Was it what's the uh, par three? What's Number sixteen? Sixteen. You sent a few pictures on social media. If you're like, ah, eh, just late night, just great evening stroll, and then all of a sudden it's like on the lake, and it's like. It's like a, like a caramel, like colored sky or like cotton candy sky. And then all of a sudden it's just a green and it just squared and there's one pin there and it, it's, it's great. Yeah. yeah. Pictures definitely do justice and it, you guys are more than welcome to come up. We'll play for sure. So keep that invitation. Nice. It's always open. Nice. And yeah, it's, it's great. I mean, the Northeast is, is awesome because I get, you know, my last lesson is, is down around five, six o'clock and I have an hour and a half of daylight and I'll just take my bag and play a couple of holes and um, just, just, you know, decompress for a little bit right on the What's your, what's your favorite hole or what's your favorite? Yeah. What's your favorite hole there? I love, I gotta say out of 16 is great. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I love 15, the punch bowl because it's like, 430 yards and normally that's a really long par four but as long as you get a decent second shot off then that's like everything funnels in the punch bowl and just walking up the cross you see the Hudson and then you're just like yeah like I hit a shitty shot but you're like five feet from the pin <laughs> so nice. everything just feeds you play down that 18 times yeah, that'd be nice yeah, right? <laughs> so you said you have great members I did a little uh, little research. A notable member 
of Sleepy Hollow, a Mr. William James Murray. Mm. Bill really? Murray really? is a member to the course. Have you ever yeah. uh, ever ran into Bill there? Yeah, a couple of times. Really? My first, yes. Last summer, he was up for a month in, in June. I guess he was filming one of his one of his movies at the time. And, um, you know, back in June, he, I guess he has a house across the river. And just that entire month, he'd play like first thing in the morning with his, his go-to caddy and just is a regular guy. And, and being as sleepy, having all these high caliber members, they're just people who just love to play the game, right? And you just like, right. Bill Murray, you're like, hey, Bill, how'd it go today? Um, you know, Ray Allen was there. Joe Torrey does his outing every year, and just talking to Joe is, is phenomenal. He's a great guy, and, and what he's doing for his foundation is, is really good. And he just, they're just normal people at the end of the day who love the game of golf just as much as you do, and, and to share you know the the memories on the course and everything is uh is really cool so do you guys have you guys do have a caddy like a caddy uh room or do you take carts or yeah so we are considered a, a caddy club um and we, we have hundreds hundreds of caddies they come from from all over some are full-time most of them are, are part-time but um yeah everyone has, has to take a caddy i mean unless you you can't walk 18 holes or you're you have a medicine condition but you know, for the most part it's, uh, it's a caddy and walking club damn kevin all right well kevin let's get some steps in the summer or this yeah. winter and we'll uh we'll get out there definitely <laughs> i did a little more a little more digging on the history <laughs> nine of- holes Let's get him 17 or 15 or whatever that punch bowl is. Let's get him there. 15. I don't have to carry my bag, That's right? That's 15. No, you, you've got a caddy. You don't carry your bag. Good. I'm, get, I'm in then. Okay. Just just carry just carry your drink. Step three. That's right. There you go. So I did a little more digging on the history of the clubhouse, and there is a ton of history there. Um, it has been used for many different TV shows and movies, such as 30 Rock, the Bounty Hunter, Gotham, Quantico, Madam Secretary. But I think you'll like this one, Kevin. They filmed The Greatest Showman, a lot of it, at the clubhouse. Really? How about that? It's a hell of a soundtrack. Yeah. (laughs) Kevin, is that one of your favorite movies? That's one of my favorite movies. No, it's not a very good movie. It's a hell of a soundtrack. (laughs) A hell of a soundtrack, though. You don't like the movie? No, he just likes the soundtrack. Yeah, that's a banger soundtrack. (laughs) Uh. So, <laughs> I seen on your on your Twitter, and I think it was something that was posted by the the KPMG. Said you have a nickname, Crisco. Where did this come about? Yeah. So when I was in when I was in Naples, um, you know, when Kyle and I hung out, we hung out with Annie and and another. Um, friend of our group her name was Ellen as well so oh, yeah. we we gave nicknames because every time someone would say Ellen like her and I would just turn around and we had no idea who they were referring to so we called her eBay because at that time she was working at a course called Heritage Bay so her name got eBay and then we were all playing in a softball group and yes. 
out of nowhere, like I, I cranked one over, over third base and just, Andy just screams out, go Crisco. And Ebay goes, yeah, that's your nickname. <laughs> so, um, and I always like on the golf course, like if, if someone like cranks a driver, like has an awesome swing and awesome shot, I was like, oh, that's smooth like butter. Like yeah. that was just butter. <laughs> nice. So, yeah. So do you, do you organize any classes or training sessions for junior golf or like girls development programs, stuff like that? Yeah. So at, at Sleepy Hollow, we have our uh, junior summer golf camp that was off the charts this summer for the COVID. And it was really good to have some, those, those juniors come out again um, and, and enjoy golf, but yeah, we, we do a lot of junior camps, summer camps at Sleepy, um, you know, making it fun for them. That's, you know, because summer, summer golf camp can be kind of overbearing sometimes, right? Like five five days out of the week. So trying to make that really fun and light was, um, you know, a challenge. But it ends up working really well this summer. Um, and then I, I'm in charge of the ladies' events, all the ladies' events that happen at Sleepy Hollow, as well as all the clinics and, and lessons that I do there and then at Tiburon Golf Club uh, I run the, the ladies programs as well and um, I help out with the juniors uh, too when they, when they need help okay are you are you seeing the numbers of participants in like we'll say girls golf are you seeing that number increase recently as the years go absolutely especially this year um, I would say it's if I had a dollar every time a woman, I said, Ellen, if I'm not going to start the game of golf during a pandemic, I never will. So, <laughs> um, I, I've had a lot of beginner classes and, and beginner lessons based on that. And they've really enjoyed it. And I hope that they keep continuing on with that. And then what with junior golf, uh, with the girls side, it's becoming a lot more in, even at Sleepy Hollow, I would just take all the girls as one instructor because we would have five, six, seven girls um, in in one one class period at a time, and um, we, we really never had that before. It was maybe two, maybe three, but um, to see kind of like an all girls group is is really awesome to to see because you know again growing up in Scranton, Pennsylvania, me traveling down and, and going to Philly just to be in a girls tournament was what I needed to do. And um, I know that in the Northeastern Pennsylvania area, it's getting, a, it's growing a lot more and um, all, all the girls, there's a lot more girls teams on the high school level, which is great. And even, even getting the scholarship is, is becoming more competitive as well. And there's a lot more opportunities. Don't get me wrong, but it's definitely got, gotten a lot more competitive since, since my time. Yeah. So, listener question. Uh, Sammy wanted to know what it was like playing Beth Page Black. It was it's probably the top five of my all-time favorite golf courses. It's you know, what you see is what you get. You have to drive the ball fairly well and stay in the fairway because if you're like a foot off the fairway, good luck trying to find your golf ball. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So I was uh, I was fortunate to play it um, a couple of times. The LPGA had this North 
east section versus the southeast section. And we kind of played like a mini Ryder Cup between the two days. And uh, it, was, it was just it was really cool. And, um, you know, that number four, the par five, is probably my favorite hole. It's a beast of a, of a par five. And um, it's such a great layout and, and great track. And uh, it's, it, you get very, you get rewarded very well if, if you strike the ball well because the greens aren't that undulated. They're actually very small and pretty flat. So mm-hmm. you just have to be a good ball striker. And um, it's, it's, again, I like big golf courses, what you see old school, and um, it's, it's phenomenal. I highly recommend getting out um, and, and playing it if you, if you get the chance. What would be... What would be an estimation of the number of golf courses that you have played in your life? Dang. Yeah. I would say. Because you've played everywhere being in, yeah. college. in college. I would say a couple, couple hundred. Of, of the couple hundred, you just said Beth Page Black is in there in your top five, but what what is your top three courses that you've played? Ooh. I think I'd, um, you got one of them. I would, I would say, like, top five, I would go Beth Page Black. I would go, um, I would go Kibron Gold Course just because I had my first birdie ever at the age of eight and one of my hole in ones there. <laughs> nice. So, hey, Gold Course. How many, how many, how many hole, how, how many hole in ones do you have? I've had two, one at Penn State and then one on the golf course two years ago. Yeah, that's nice. great. Um, so yeah, the golf course I turned around and uh, Ian and Paul in uh, Charleston, South Carolina. We would play College of Charleston's tournament every single year at Eamon Hall. And it's just, there's just so much history on that land. I mean, it used to be an old slave plantation. So we would stay um, on property and, um, yeah, it's, it's a solid golf course. I, I believe it's still in the top 100. Um, and Seth Rainer, architect. So really, really good layout holes there. And um, I would say my third is going to be um, Royal County Down when I played in Ireland with the team. Uh, we took a spring break trip out to Ireland and we played Royal County Down. So playing the number one course in the world was kind of sweet. Oh yeah, um, I was gonna bring up Ireland, but then you you jumped uh, me to it. Then what? okay, we should go to Ireland. <laughs> I, yeah, I was I was gonna ask her about Ireland, where she played, and uh, recommendations of we should all try that. We should try that. Sounds yeah. like it's a yes. Definitely, one hundred percent. I'll get I'll get back to Ireland, and then number one is gonna be Sleepy Hollow. Um, I just that golf course is so sweet, and um, you just every single hole is such a different layout and has yeah. its own characteristics every single hole so um you know i'm, I'm a little biased but i gotta go sleepy hollow with uh my number one choice okay nice all right <clears throat> so invited boys so is there anything better in golf right now than charlie woods playing the pnc with his dad tiger this week absolutely not At, like i am so excited for Saturday. I think it was like what eleven forty eight. Yep. Yeah. So uh I mean that's going to bring so 
so many people and drawing so many people in with the trash talk with JT and his dad. Oh yeah. And just seeing the father uh, son combination is going to be phenomenal. Even, even like a daughter seeing, seeing that out there, I think is going to be great. I mean, I, I've had so many great memories with my dad playing golf. I'm sure you guys have had the opportunity to play with loved ones and just to see uh, what Tiger has overcome and oh, seeing yeah. Charlie just not only just be in his father's footsteps, but I think Tiger is just going to let Charlie do Charlie oh, yeah. Woods himself. Yeah. And um, he, he's going to be a baller, guys. Like, oh. he's going to tear it up. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to use the word great already. Like he's already yeah. good. He's going to be great. Do, do you think he already has a letter of like full intent to oh, like He's Stanford, already gotten like, so many offers for for school yeah. already. Yeah. Like, yeah, he Stanford's had that like, he had that 3 years ago probably. Oh, you're having a son? Yeah. He has a full ride here yeah. at <laughs> Stanford University. It, it, it seems like Tiger's always so focused on the course. I think having Charlie out there is like the only thing that I think would get Tiger to just enjoy it. He's not like, he's going to be competitive, but I think he yeah. is more there to watch his son play golf than to play golf. And yeah, that's what I think that's, that's one thing that, yeah, we had that. And then also, um, I don't know if you know this, but Jim LaCava, he had um, obviously his, his um, Tiger's caddy. Mm-hmm. So once Tiger approached Jim and said, hey, we're thinking of you know, Charlie playing playing this event. It's like, what What if Jim LaCava is like, what if you bring your son and you and your son caddies my son? How, how, old, like, is, talking, dude. how old is Jim Jr.? I, I don't know. I, I, I want to uh, like... Was he the guy standing behind him on the on the range yeah. today? Yeah, so he's like pretty old then, or older. Older, yeah. Okay. I, I would think maybe maybe he's in college or maybe he's a. I I don't know his age, but for me, I'm thinking like seventeen to nineteen. Um, yeah, but but I'm that was kind of that, yeah. So I was like, what? And then they have, they're having a father son, or they're you know, dads are going off together, and then the sons are going back together, and. <laughs> And the way that his the way that Tiger's mind works is like, or the way that Charlie's mind works, like, well, your I mean, your caddy is him, and well, there's a, a caddy available that's that's a little bit younger, that's the same name. Let's let's do this thing. And it's just so funny to see him, like he has shorter clubs, but yet the, the exact same, oh, the, the exact same tailor made. Yeah, I don't know what the blades are. And obviously the flexes are completely different of like the craft light, everything. And he's over trying to turn and but he's getting everything out of his swing, obviously, because he's got the best of the best. And it's yeah, just it's awesome. hundred percent kick my ass out there. He's 11. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I would love, I would love to see Charlie and Tiger during the US Kids event and just like being the other dad in that group. I don't know what I would do with myself. Like, yeah, do yeah. I caddy? Do I watch Tiger? Do I watch Charlie? Like, oh, there's my son, I, my daughter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. how I do. They're like, Logan's talking to me. He's like, Dad, my ball's over here on the right. I'm like, well, he's over here on the left. Just take the seven iron and figure it out. <laughs> it seemed like even even when they were done on the range and they're like walking 
on the backside of the range to go to the putting green. Even though these are all like 20 major winners and family members, as they were walking, it's like everybody stopped and turned as they were walking by. And it was just like, ooh, there's there's Tiger and Charlie. And these guys are like top of their game guys. And they're like, ooh. the needle. Look at this 11-year-old walking by here. Just greatness. Prowl. Just greatness. I mean, they even have the, the club troll down to it. Oh, yeah. Both of them. Just like, perfect. Just the mimic. So, clubs and, and gear here. You are Team yeah. TaylorMade and Team Nike. How did that come about? How's that offer oh, come to you? Um... You know, I, I wanted those two brands, and um, now squeaky wheels get the grease. Um, I uh, when I came up to that's why they call her Crisco. Oh yeah, that's why they call her Crisco. That's all the grease. That's why they call her Crisco. The grease. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I wow, talked Kevin. to <laughs> good the the Nike rep. Um, actually in Florida at the time. And I was like, Hey, listen, I'm going to the mess section. Do you know the rep up there? And he got me in contact with the Nike rep in the, in the mess section. I got a hold of them. I was like, Hey, I want to be on, uh, on, on staff with Nike. Can we make that happen? How can we make that happen? And, um, I, I've always been on Nike because of Penn state and wanted to kind of just keep up with the consistency. And cause at the end of the day, like, I'm I'm an athlete, like, I want my, my clothes to perform well. And, um, I think Nike is, is doing the best. And, um, you know, even, even with TaylorMade, I, um, I love, I love TaylorMade. I started with TaylorMade when I, after college, uh, with the R11 and love their clubs. And at that time, my boyfriend, David, uh, he was working for TaylorMade. So I knew a lot about the brand and that, that kind of just, kick-started like okay like I want to be on, on staff with with TaylorMade and um because you don't see a lot of women play TaylorMade it's it's usually Callaway or or Titleist and um I believe I'm fairly a long hitter and you know all of the long hitters on on tour are, are using TaylorMade so I I love the product it's it's great and um yeah suits my game quite nicely nice uh We'll do just a couple more here, uh, and we'll get it wrapped up. But this one's kind of tough, at least I think it would be. Um, if you weren't in the golf industry, what would you be doing? If I was not, if I was not in the golf industry, I would definitely be working for some type of marketing firm in in the sports industry somehow. Um, but I would definitely be taking my clients out on the golf course and making deals. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's the proper way to do it. 100%. Okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's why I have a marketing degree. That's why I have a business degree because if I was not, not playing golf, uh, professionally or in the golf industry, I would definitely utilize my talent in the business world. So that's exactly what I would probably be doing if I was not a teacher. Okay. Last one here from a uh, longtime listener, Zach Tyler. Thank you for your question. It asks the Life Over Par crew versus Ellen. We're a scramble team. 
versus you. You can choose the course. Do we have a shot? Uh, Do we have a shot? I think so. I don't know. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Yeah. Kevin's you think like, so? Oh. But she's choosing the course, so if she's choosing maybe the home course, a little advantage yeah. there. We got a little to learn, but I think I think maybe we could be competitive. Oh, I think it could be a TBD. TBD, and we take this Sleepy Hollow, give us all a chance to go out there and play, <laughs> take some coverage. Let's go. I love okay. it. Let's go. Okay. Absolutely. Well, Ellen, I want to thank you for joining us today. Um, had a great time. Um, wish you luck with the rest of your golf journey and everything you have going on there. Sure. Um, would you like to plug yourself and maybe let people know how they can find you on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, however? Perfect. Yeah. So thanks for having me guys. I love what you're doing again and definitely have an active listener. So just mm -hmm. add one to the list here and, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, uh, I'm at Sleepy Hollow Country Club, uh, in New York between, April and end of December. And you can also reach me at Tiburon Golf Club in Naples, Florida um, from January into the end of March. And uh, you can reach out Instagram and uh, Twitter is Alan Sarasco Golf. And um, yeah. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. Well, thank you, Kyle. Thank you, Kevin. Yeah. Thanks for yeah. coming on over. Anytime. That is episode 21. We'll see you guys later. Yeah.